broken open, poured out. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, right in front of my enemies. These images in this week's stories told by Mark's gospel and our psalmist evoke a stark vulnerability. I think most of us are feeling pretty vulnerable these days as we all try to avoid becoming infected with coronavirus. I mean, the most mundane acts these days feel risky. And of course, anything that requires that we risk physical contact with another human being. We're worried about getting the food that we need to eat. We're worried about getting the medicines we need and medical testing or medical care. Should we actually become sick? And toilet paper. Where's all the toilet paper? We're living in a time when people need connection more than ever, and we're having to rethink what that looks like. We're having to rethink what it looks like to love and care for one another. I wonder what possessed this unnamed woman in Mark's story to crash a party in a home of a person that she clearly doesn't know, and then proceed to break open an exquisite alabaster vase. Y'all, it's not just the perfume that's valuable in this particular story. In first century Israel, alabaster would have been imported from Egypt, and it was very expensive. And the perfume alone that she pours over Jesus' head was worth at least a year's worth of wages for the average worker of that time. A version of this story is told by all four gospel writers. Clearly, it's a significant story of our faith. And it's so important that Jesus, in fact, tells us that we need to remember this story and to tell it as a part, a critical part of the gospel. As Mark tells it, the woman breaks open the bottle and then empties it over Jesus' head. Our painting this week depicts the woman bathing his feet in the perfume. That's the way Luke tells the story. But both Mark and Matthew say that she poured it over his head. Pouring oil over a person's head is an act that is traditionally associated with anointing kings or priests, setting them apart for a holy or sacred purpose. But according to Jesus, the woman is preparing his body for burial beforehand. Typically, the Greek word that's used to describe anointing is Christos. You probably recognize the word. Christos literally means anointed one, and it's where we get Christ from, as in Jesus Christ. But the Greek word that Mark uses to describe what this woman is doing with the perfume in his story is merizo, which literally means to have myrrh applied to your body. And it's most often used to refer to burial preparation. I don't know, maybe this is first century multitasking. Maybe this woman is acknowledging his divine purpose while at the same time preparing him for burial. I mean, his purpose is accomplished in large part through his death, so it's not so far-fetched. Whatever the case may be, according to this week's drama, this is an act of lavish love. That's what possesses her. Love. Love expressed through an intimate act. To care for Jesus as he walks toward a cross that looms before him as he walks through his darkest valley. And she performs this act right in front of her enemies. 
right in front of those who would scorn her, who would scold her, reject her and her gesture. I mean, as this rich scent permeates the air, overwhelms their senses, suddenly their anger erupts. Can you imagine what this might have done for the poor? It seems like in our story, there are two expressions of love and care that come into conflict with one another. I mean, on the one hand, our unnamed woman pours grace into the life of the one who will eventually pour himself out for us all, while on the other hand, her critics, they're concerned about how best to care for the poor. During this season of Lent, we are practicing together, picturing ourselves in these stories of our faith. As we picture ourselves in this story, I wonder, how have you chosen to care for people at this particular point in time? A pandemic certainly has a way of causing us to change how we care for each other. It certainly complicates matters. As we rethink how to care for each other individually and personally right now, more broadly, our medical facilities are rethinking how to care for people. I started radiation on Tuesday, and every single day this week, the registration or check-in protocol changed. On Tuesday when I went, it was fairly normal. My mom and I went into the waiting area. I checked in at the registration desk and we waited. I had my care. We left. By the next day, I was the only one who was allowed in the building. And then on Thursday, as I approached the door, a nurse came rushing out front to take my temperature and ask me some medical questions before I was allowed in the building. And then by Friday, I was waiting in the car for a phone call on my cell phone letting me know when it was time for me to come in. I mean, before it's all over, I won't be the least bit surprised if they haven't figured out how to administer radiation through FaceTime or something. In some cases these days, loving others means risking physical contact, but of course with heightened precautions in place. I mean, I'm thinking of our grocery store workers. I'm thinking of our pharmacists, our police officers, all of our first responders, and of course, our healthcare workers. But for most of us right now, what it looks like to care for one another is to stay the heck away, which is so counterintuitive to what our instincts are. But given the nature of this virus and the way that it spreads, we can, we can spread it to someone before we even know that we're sick. We may feel fine. I've been quarantined by my radiologist until my treatment is over. Apparently, if treatment were to be interrupted at some point due to illness, it could complicate things quite a lot. So this means effectively that all those who live in my home are also quarantined, at least to the best of their ability. They limit their contact with their friends, their coworkers, and they're vigilant about washing their hands, not because they are at high risk, but because I am. That's the way that they are pouring grace into my life right now. On the other hand, there's another person who ventured out as an expression of love on my behalf this past week. One of the side effects of radiation is that it can burn your skin, can cause blistering. One of her friends highly recommended a particular cream that can help prevent the burns or treat them once they happen. She went to great lengths to procure some of this for me. And then one afternoon this past week, I heard a knock on my door when I answered the door there Laying on the sidewalk about two feet in front of my door was this round silver tin of cream wrapped in royal blue netting. And then about four feet on the other side of that stood 
the church member. I sprayed it with Lysol, she said, and the can of disinfectant in her hand and the overpowering odor (laughs) were proof that she was absolutely telling the truth. We both laughed. Y'all, that Lysol-drenched tin of healing ointment became for us a shared sacrament. It was evidence that God is present and walking with me during a dark time. And each time I anoint myself with that cream, I'm reminded of who I am, of whose I am, and for what purpose I've been set apart. We are all God's beloved children. And like that church member, like the unnamed woman in Mark's story, like Christ, we are all priceless vessels overflowing with the lavish and costly grace God has poured into each and every one of us. And all of us, all of us are meant to be broken open and poured out so that others might be drenched by that same grace and know that they are not alone, that they might know that God walks alongside them during their darkest times. Thanks be to God. Amen.